This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Death by Southwest, the podcast where each week I share a different grisly murder story unique to the American Southwest while my sister and co-host tries to piece together the clues and unravel the mystery behind each of these heinous crimes. I'm your host, Margo. And I'm Jenna. And we are here for episode 18, which is part two of the Joie Armstrong murder. Joie. Joie. So because we already did the sense of place on the last one, we're not we're not going to do that. We're going to do something different. Okay. The first thing I want to talk to you about, though, because I talked about this, um, we, you know, you were missed on the lookup list and I had Mark fill in and mm-hmm. he didn't have much to say about this. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about it with you. I know you had mentioned you saw that um, the comment about us being super woke and mm-hmm. that it, it's it, the I think the comment said, like, can we just have one unwoke podcast? Oh, gosh. Did I read? Th- yeah, maybe I did read that because uh, the one I read said something about like too woke or stop with the wokeness. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the and then the actual review one star just stop with the woke crap or something like that sure essentially sure first of all I don't feel like we're that woke and if we are it's certainly not intentional I'm not like oh I'm so woke I'm trying to be so woke I said my response to that was I don't want to intentionally offend anyone unless it's something that I feel very strongly about and that I'm going to say my opinion and be damned what anyone else thinks because it's something that's important to me and I feel strongly about Mm -hmm. but if I'm talking about things that could potentially offend somebody I don't want to do that so I'm going to be a little bit delicate about it certainly and not just say whatever and use whatever language because who cares and I don't want to be woke sure what's your what's your thoughts I I don't know I mean I understand now woke the term woke has I'm going to be woke about this probably but the term woke has kind of taken like a negative turn turn I guess um also, I don't think there's anything wrong with being woke in what woke used to mean or means to me of like, I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings right. that I don't have a strong, like you said, that I don't have a strong opinion about. I'm not scared to offend someone, but also I've said it for years. I am kind of in a, not kind of, I am in a lot of ways like Sweden or yeah, Switzerland. Switzerland, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Ikea is uh, Sweden. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's supposed to be in one of the happiest places to live. But anyways, mm. you know, I can see both sides of lots of things. So yeah, sure. maybe I am too woke, which right. fine. Maybe I've, we, I, whoever offended that person and then good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I said, I said um, the username is like J Utah or something. And I said, you know. If you still happen to be listening, I'd love to know what made you think. Because I don't know, did he or she listen to 
the first episode, the most recent episode, whatever, because I think in one of the most recent episodes, we were joking about chat GPT. And I said, like, you know, I talked to him and you were like, or her. And then, I, you know, one of us were like, or they. I mean, that's something we would say whether we're record or I would say whether I'm recording or not, because one, it's relevant Two, it's Switzerland. Three, to me, it's kind of silly and kitschy and just like calling you out on something that honestly, I'm a cis female, so I don't fucking care. But like for my own personal being, but also it's just something that comes to my mind and I say it. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that remember like weeks ago, we had gotten several comments of people saying like, you you didn't, you you can't say Native American, it should be indigenous peoples or something like we didn't say the right term so in that situation that person thought that we were not woke enough right and now this person thinks we're too woke so i think the moral of that story is you can't fucking make everyone happy and we're not going to which i know you've said before so it's a just a good reminder Mm -hmm. so woke on (laughs) (laughs) woke on i like that (laughs) didn't you say once like stay creepy keep it creepy and then i realized i think it does. Be- somebody else says that. Yeah. I mean, everyone. You- is there anything original anymore? Is there anything that someone else isn't using or hasn't said? Probably not. So Mm-mm. I don't. We don't. We don't have a slogan as of now. But except for woke on, woke on. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like maybe that's our new <laughs> slogan. I don't know exactly what it means. Me like, neither. <laughs> but but I kind of like it. So before we move away from this woke conversation, I just want to say one more thing because. Like I said, I had talked about this on the lookup list and our human GPS, Sean Thompson, had a comment just on the that review. This is what he said exactly. He said, I think you guys do a decent job of trying to keep the wokeness out of the podcast. You do a pretty good job of trying to get away from that when things head in that direction. At the end of the day, like we're human. I think so many people struggle to to do exactly that. You don't want to offend somebody, but you want to also not overthink every fucking word that comes out of your mouth yeah i overthink enough and also i'm pretty much just talking freely how i would mostly like 89 percent right of how i would if we weren't on camera or or recording Mm -hmm. and then it's up to you to snip and snap it and cut it and edit it so i sure do i edit us both i edit out uh about a thousand of me saying like and ultimately every podcast and about 2,000 of you saying, and also. Yeah, I'll always say that. I know. <laughs> and also, I will always say that. That is by far the least offensive thing anyone has ever said to me is that you're too woke. I'm all good. Sure, sure. So this is, like I was saying, this is part two of the Joie Armstrong, Armstrong murder. Mm-hmm. On today's episode, we will get into, we will wrap this story up. We will learn more about Carrie Stainer and the crimes that he at this point, I'm going to say allegedly committed mm-hmm. um, and kind of find out the conclusion to the tragic case where Joie Ruth Armstrong, a 26-year-old naturalist, was murdered while working in Yosemite National Park. And I know we titled this the, the murder of Joie Armstrong because kind of had to pick one person and that's the person they started researching first. But realistically, there's definitely more people in this story, more victims. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing a sense of place about Yosemite, since we already did that, we are going to do some trivia. And it's all kind of true crime murder related. I know it kind of puts you on the spot when we do this. but Sure does. It's <laughs> fine. But I thought it would be, it's a combination of, of, of everything. So we're That's just going to jump in and we're going to see. See, I don't think I'm going to be 
um, this isn't going to be an entertaining trivia because I'm going to say I have no idea to most of them. No, I no, think. no. There's a whole mix of things. Don't worry. Oh. Don't worry. I mean, I'm not worried. I'm worried for the listeners. <laughs> no, don't be worried for the listeners. That okay. They can always press fast forward, right? Yep. So what two key characteristics does a certified psychopath lack? Empathy. Yes. And... Um, wow, that was great. Something around the ability to experience emotions fully. Um, feeling badly. Oh, um, like shame or guilt? Remorse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say guilt, yeah. Two points for you. Yay. I, I, I decided these were going to be worth two points. So. Cool. What is the name given to an unidentified male body or female body when found at a crime scene? Jane Doe. Yeah. Or, or John Doe. Very good. And now my wokeness is coming in. Should there be a, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, right? I bet they're going to change that up at some point. <laughs> like a, like a they Doe? Well, like a, or like a, like a Alex Doe. <laughs> like a more like unisex yeah, name. Yeah, any, any, oh. any gender name. <laughs> okay, that's two points for me though. Jane and John Doe. Yeah, so four points now total. Yay. Between 1980 and 2008, out of every five murder victims, how many were killed by an intimate partner? Well, how, can you tell me, are you looking for a percentage or a number? A number. Can one. you tell me the overall number of how many people were killed in that time frame? I cannot. Well, I can just say guess. Out of every five people who were killed, oh, how many okay. do you think were, were killed by an intimate okay, partner? Okay, from 80 to 2008 mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. Um, three out of five. Whoa, one. I actually would have oh. gone with three as well. Oh. I was surprised by one. That seemed low to me. Okay, so here's one that I got two different answers. Google told me something and ChatGPT told me something. Which do you trust more? Ooh, good question. I want to say ChatGPT because I feel like we have a really good relationship going on. Oh. Um, but I don't know. According to data, which country has the highest homicide rate in the world? Just in general. Oh, you're not giving me options. I'm not giving you a date or option. Okay. Wait, a date? Why would I need a date? Well, because like I'd today. imagine it changes like year to year. Okay. Well, okay. So are we talking about present day? Yeah. Uh, Brazil. Um, Google told me El Salvador, but oh, ChatGPT says Honduras. Both seem reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which serial killer killed 17 people in their Milwaukee home between 1978 and 1991? Dahmer? Yes. You knew I'd get that one. I knew you'd That's get that an one. easy point. Yeah. We've talked about this guy. Which killer became known as the Night Stalker after terrorizing LA neighborhoods during the 1980s and killing 13 people? He's got a an alliteration name. Yeah. Yeah, I know about him. <laughs> I don't can't recall his name. We have an uncle with his same first name. Ricky. Right, but the full name. Richard Dick. Richard. <laughs> Richard Ramirez. Yes. Very also, good. I'm going to say had an uncle. That's right. Had an uncle. You are correct. What true crime podcast has the slogan, stay sexy and don't get murdered? I don't know, but you've told me that slogan before. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't not like it because I'm not saying I don't like the podcast. I've never listened. Okay. you don't, It's my favorite <sighs> murder. Yeah, I've never listened. So I bet I'd like the podcast because I like a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't love the slogan. 
I shouldn't judge it, but I am. So that's it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Judging. Would you it. like to elaborate any further on that? No, it just feels like sexy and death. But then yeah. again, I'm like, good night and good luck. So like, whatever. That's but true. I don't love it. Okay. Who was Norman Bates, the original pop culture serial killer icon? Oh, well, what's his face with his mother? Um, <laughs> which is interesting because in the movie... Doesn't Kathy Bates, and I know this is the actress, plays his mother in the movie. I'm sorry. Um, I think so. Psycho. Uh, yeah, thank the movie. you. Yeah. And what mm -hmm. did you ask? I lost my... Just who? who is he? Who oh, like he? Like, oh. give me a, a, a synopsis of who Norman Bates was, which you kind of did I mean, he killed the already. person in the shower. Right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So Norman Bates was... But like, kind of, he had some psychological, I believe, or mental issues. Yes. And like, him and his mother ran like a secluded inn... The Bates Motel. Yeah. Yes, he had some mental struggles and issues. And also his mother exacerbated them by making him feel like they were, like keeping him sick, essentially. Right. Is that something? Yeah. No, you're you're very much on the right track. Okay. And I I watched Bates Motel, the TV show on FX, I think, like a couple episodes years ago. I haven't seen Psycho since I was a kid, weirdly. So I actually... Couldn't have probably answered any better than you did. I Probably not even that as well as you did. But the general answer I have is that Norman Bates was first created by author Robert Block in his book Psycho in 1959, then adapted into a film a year later. And it arguably began the modern obsession with serial killers. In the book and film, Bates is the proprietor of the Bates Motel. And while he's handsome, young, and shy on the surface, he's actually a serial killer with a dissociative identity disorder. And he has a deep bond with his deceased mother That's whose right. identity he assumes That's on a nightly it. basis. That's right. I knew I there was some that. big piece. Yeah. She's dead. And that. I think he kept her like in the basement or something. Yeah, also, this is a fictional character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So staying on the movie train... I, I'm guessing you're not going to... I'm asking you this. I don't think you'll know it, but I'm asking you this because I just want to tell you the answer, really. Mm. What real-life killers inspired the Scream movie series, which is also now a TV series? And a multi-second, um, third, fourth Oh, my movie. gosh. So many. Um, I don't know. Like, their names? Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Okay. I didn't know that it was inspired by anybody real. I Did you? I don't... Mm, I thought not, it was, not. It didn't sink in fully. Maybe I've heard that, but no. I thought it was fully made up by Wes Craven. That's who made it, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was new to me, but the plot was inspired by a famous serial killer named Danny Rowling. In August 1990, after being kicked out of his parents' home by his father, Rowling set up camp in a wooded area of Gainesville, Florida. He then snuck into the apartments of two college students, stabbing one to death then raping and stabbing the other. The following day, he did the same to another college student. And two days later, he did the same to three more victims, stabbing one so forcefully that he ruptured her heart. Ugh. It took two years for the police to identify him as a suspect, but he, he finally confessed to all six murders and claimed that his motive for doing so was to become famous. He was executed by lethal injection in October 2006. Were they all female, from what you can tell, at I least? I think the, so. Yeah, so yeah. it's interesting because the part that sticks out to me of Scream, I guess now that I think about it, a lot do. So they obviously expounded on that, the like totally. non-fiction character into a fictional story because right. 
think about the Drew Barrymore's boyfriend in the beginning of the yeah, it was two of them. It was when they he hung him by the tree and mm. oh, gutted him. And well, gutted the, her. You know, he oh, he killed the boyfriend right. by the pool. pool yeah. yeah, tied him yeah, up. Yeah, and then Steve, someone died in the trying to get out the dog door in the garage door. Yeah, Tate. Um, Tatum was her name in yeah. the movie, I think. Rose McGowan. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, they like pulled the girl. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it was different. It was certainly expanded upon in the in the movie. But what I hate to say interesting, but was was interesting to me is that um, to kind of bring the whole thing full circle, the, the Scream, you know, series. What do you even call franchise. it? Franchise. Franchise, thank you. It's not, I was going to say it's not a trilogy. It actually inspired multiple copycat murders over the years. Two teens, Daniel Gill and Robert Fuller, stabbed their 13-year-old friend after watching the first Scream movie and blamed it on that. Mario Padilla, a 16-year-old boy from Linwood, California, stabbed his own mother in what would later become known as the Scream murder. And Thierry Jaredin, a lonely 24-year-old truck driver, stabbed a 15-year-old girl to death while wearing the movie's iconic ghost face mask. Besides that one, I wonder how they know that they were kind of copycat. Maybe in the journals of these people or talking to their friends or co-workers or peers. Yeah, I don't know. Copycat shit is a thing, obviously. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's a big thing. Big thing. Ugh. What is murderabilia? All I can think of is like Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> so that's not it. So you have to tell me. Oh my gosh, Amelia Bedelia. I fucking loved those books. No. What's murder Bedelia? <laughs> is that what you just asked me? I don't know. Murderabilia. <laughs> a murderabilia. Yeah. Does like, it refer to like like memorabilia? Oh, murderabilia. Yeah. So serial killers have become such a pop culture phenomenon that it's led to people collecting things. It's a, it's an entire collecting industry now. Murderabilia mm. is the hobby of collecting items related to infamous serial killers and criminals with many high profile pieces now being sold and, and auctioned off for tons and tons of money. You know, like O.J. Simpson's glove or... Or even like news clippings if you yeah. have a grandparent who lived during the sure. 60s when some big murder yes. or serial killer happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that we've sufficiently done a little bit of not a sense of place we'll just call this an intro and now we are going to pick back up on episode 18 part two of the joie armstrong murder where we are just just kind of put everyone back in the mode we are picking up where carrie stainer is being questioned now and um and that's where we will jump back into this and we will answer more questions about these this murder case on the lookup lists. So hopefully you guys will join us for that and enjoy this episode. Let's do it. All right. Don't miss what happens next in today's episode. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. So when they brought him in for questioning, they searched his truck, which he agreed to, and they tried to search his backpack, which he did not agree to. But because at the time they brought him in for questioning, I think the day after Joie was found, and this is going to sound really weird. Everything I found said that they found her body 
but they didn't find her head for about 24 to 36 hours, which is weird to me because it was ultimately found, from what I understand, just a little bit downstream, not far. But initially, apparently, allegedly, they didn't find it at first. So when they asked to search his truck and then they asked to search his backpack because they thought maybe he had the head with him. Yeah. He didn't. Well, I have a theory. Mm. Okay, so when they found her body and then her head wasn't there. Right. And you said they found it 36 some hours later. Right. But it wasn't all that far from where they found the beheaded body. Mm -mm. Am I getting that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So my thought is, was it in like a, like a, any kind of river bank or something? Yeah, it was like in a creek. Right. So perhaps. Creek water carries it. It took 24 hours I don't know. I, I, I don't mean, either. Also, I don't that have means an answer. like he killed some her up here, cut her head off, threw it down, and then carried her body. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, but like something with the creek, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Definitely possible. Um, but he he really didn't want them to look in his backpack. They because they hadn't found the head at that point. They were able to search his backpack apparently on a on the assumption they were going to get a search warrant. Mm-hmm. So they did. Nothing was really found in it. It was like tanning lotion, a book about a serial killer, um, a corona, nothing nothing incriminating, really. Um, I like his backpack. <laughs> <laughs> so th- they, they didn't have enough to hold him on. So they released him. But they warned him, do not leave the El Portal area. Mm-hmm. And according to the San Francisco... According to the San Francisco Chronicle, a witness claimed that Stainer was incredibly angry about authorities seizing his backpack after he was questioned. He was also angry about how his truck had been searched. And they also searched his apartment later that day. And apparently it was there that they discovered some evidence linking him to Joie's murder. Special Agent Maddock made a public statement saying, during the last 24 hours, we have developed specific information linking Carrie Stainer to Joie Ruth Armstrong's murder and potentially to the Sund Palazzo murders. So that's Carol mm-hmm. Julian. Yeah. Was his apartment like near outside Yosemite? Yeah. Apparently he lived above a, a, a restaurant at the inn or the lodge. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So at this point, we're Thursday, July 22nd, Friday, July 23rd, just two days after Joie's body was found. FBI is like, we're arresting this dude. And they went to go arrest him, but he was nowhere to be found. Oh, he fled. Yes. But FBI agents John Bowles and Jeff Reinach quickly located him at the Laguna del Sol nudist resort in Wilton, which was a place that he was known for going. The resort manager had actually seen the story on television and police had put out an APB on him. And so the resort manager saw it, called the police and said, He's here. He's one of my guests. Wow. And the FBI came, restrained Carrie, and decided to transport him back to San Sacramento, where he would be put through a more lengthy interrogation. Allegedly, while he was traveling to his police interview, Carrie confessed to a detective in the car and said, I murdered Drua Armstrong. John Bowles the FBI agent on the case in the car said that Carrie described the brutal killing as if he was reading a soup label. Later, when in custody, he also confessed to murdering Carol Sund, Julie Sund, and Sylvina 
Palazzo. During the in the questioning in Sacramento, agents were just everything I read said they were like jaws on the ground, like in disbelief. This guy's just like spilling everything. Mm. And he recounted in extreme detail not only the specifics of Joie's decapitation, but also the killings of Palazzo and the sons, providing clues that only the killer could have known, apparently. He detailed to police how he taunted them and evaded capture for five long months after killing Carol, Julie, and Sylvina. He explained that he had tricked his way into their hotel room. He knocked on the door and claimed, I have to fix something in your bathroom. There's a leak, apparently. Oof. They let him in. He went in the bathroom, did a little bit of pretend work, and then he came out of the bathroom with a gun. And he said, I held them at gunpoint. And I told them, this is just a robbery and no one will be harmed if you cooperate and do what I say. He proceeded to bind them with duct tape. He was lying. Clearly. Yes. He strangled Carol and Sylvina in the hotel room and put them in the trunk of the car. He took Julie with him alive about an hour north of Yosemite they drove. They arrived at a scenic reservoir called Vista Point where Carrie claims that he took Julie out of the car, claimed his love for her, and then slashed her throat. He also admitted to being the one who had sent police a map to locate her body. Mm. He told police he got the idea of writing this anonymous letter by watching a documentary about the Unabomber. Woof. But to throw investigators off, he hired someone else to provide the saliva to attach the stamp and st- seal the envelope. Awful and also not dumb. Not I mean, dumb. that's, that's, yeah. I, I don't want to like high five him. No, of course not. not. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And investigators now believe that Carrie also deliberately led them off course because he told them he did by planting Carol's wallet at an intersection in Modesto where he knew there was a lot of potentially criminal people living. So then he explained how he murdered Joie. He said he was walking alone when Joie appeared in front of him. He said that he then quickly realized that she was alone and he just couldn't help himself. A lot of sources say that Joie resisted when Carrie confronted her with a knife and forced her into his truck. He bound and gagged her, but somehow she managed to throw herself out the window of his truck and escape when he was driving, but not for long. Mm. Carrie chased after her, caught her, and proceeded to slash her throat so violently that he ended up beheading her. Like it was an accidental beheading, if that is actually a thing. Which I is mean, what you don't know what turning. he he slashed her throat with a hunting knife, I think. Jeez, it must have been an aggressive one. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Also, let's take a moment and think about that. These things, like, of course, I know they're real. These are facts. These are real cases. And also, if you, I think about this often. I'm certain, or I'm not certain anyone else does. I hope. I actually hope you guys don't. Yeah. But like, if you do, this could happen. I mean, yeah. just watch your back, guys. Yeah. Girls. Yeah. It's, people. It's easier to talk about it in a way where you're a little bit removed from it. And it feels like, you know, I mean, we are. I am telling a horrific, terrible, true story. And it allows me to take a step back from it. But you're right. If you put yourself in it, it's like. Yeah. Or these, just like think this her, just These happens. poor humans experience this. This man did this to people. 
Can you imagine those last 20, 40, however, two hours long of her life when she was trying to hop out his car, bound and gagged, ran, maybe her oh. arms were duct taped up. Yeah, it's awful. And I know that's terrible to talk about. And also, like, that's, I don't know if that's what happened. But well, that's so, the reality you know, like, of it. Like, that yeah. is a reality yeah. of, like. Oh, it is. Yeah. So he told, he shared all this with investigators in custody. And then he apparently told investigators, quote, I want you to get a hold of some producers in L.A. I want a movie of the week made about my story. There was a movie made about my brother, Stephen, and I want the same and for the world to take notice of me. So by the end of this interrogation, the FBI felt it had gathered enough evidence to arrest Carrie for multiple murders. And because I didn't talk about it in the moment, so some of the evidence that was found, they collected the Mariposa County Sheriff's Office collected items of potential interest from room 509 at the Cedar Lodge Motel, the room which Stainer sexually assaulted Julie, Sylvina, and murdered both Carol and Sylvina. Uh, Carrie claimed in the interview that hair from his body was left on the bedspread in their motel room, but he later returned and changed the bedding so that police wouldn't find it. Upon examination by the FBI, some items yielded a little bit of trace evidence from the room, but nothing that was super... Substantial? Right. So, But they did find hairs in the vacuum sweepings taking taken from that room and possibly some bodily fluid stains on a blanket and a latent palm print from the windowsill. But it was all inclusive. Uh, yeah, it was it was trace evidence. It wasn't it wasn't like a full palm print. It wasn't yeah. so vacuum sweepings were also taken from inside Joie's house where Stainer claims to have bound her with duct tape before he put her in his car. Yeah. Um, they found possible bodily fluid stains on a bed sheet taken from her house. They also had clothing stained with blood from her body, but unfortunately the blood, you know, there was, it was her blood, maybe some of Stainer's blood. And, and back then, forensic examinations were not what they are today, obviously. The FBI had enough on Stainer to file a criminal complaint, which they did, charging him with murder on federal property in the death of Joie Ruth Armstrong, an offense that could potentially lead to the death penalty. So on Monday, July 26, 1999, Carrie went before the court and was placed in jail with no bond based on him being a danger to the community. And shortly after he was placed in jail, he allowed a journalist, Ted Rowlands, to interview him. He told Rollins that he had fantasized about murdering women since childhood. He added that he committed the Yosemite murders simply because his victims were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, to me, it seemed like there wasn't really like a huge motive except for whatever was going on in his in his psyche. So like it wasn't like because Joa was this way or right. whoever was this. It was just, right. oh, there they are. Yep. Ooh, he, it says more about him than them. He said he committed the slayings quietly and that all three women cooperated with him. This He's talking about the Julie and Carol murders. Yeah. They obeyed every single order he gave them throughout the entire ordeal, which just like sinks my stomach. Ted Rollins asked Carrie if he would have kept killing if he wasn't caught. And Carrie said, definitely. I would have killed until I was either caught or killed myself. So at the end of this interview, 
he addressed the victim's families and said, I'm sorry their loved ones were where they were when they were. I wish I could have controlled myself and not done what I did. I actually believe that. Me as too. in That doesn't make me think he's any anything different than I think he is. And also, mm. I believe that like he just wants to kill. That Again, yeah. that's not like a thing, an excuse. It could have been anyone. It wasn't mm. particularly about sure. these women, yeah, young, of course. young of women, course. whatever. Yeah. Well, he went to trial uh, on September 13th, 2000. Actually, I found something that said he was tried in federal court for Armstrong's murder, for Joie's murder, because it occur- occurred on federal land. But to avoid a possible death sentence, he 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 made a plea deal. So he pleaded guilty. Um, and his his attorney submitted a written guilty plea to charges of murder, kidnapping, and attempted sexual assault for Joie's murder on July 21st, 1999. Federal prosecutors' decision to agree to a plea deal was based partly on the wishes of Joie's family. Joie's mother, Leslie, said publicly that she could not bear to hear grisly details of her daughter's death in a trial. Mm-hmm. So the plea agreement, um, which... Carey and his lawyer and prosecutor signed um, also required that he take his story to the grave and not profit from Joie's death in any way. Mm. Because he had told lo- local newspapers and news stations that he wanted to see his story in a, in a made-for-TV movie, his plea deal included you know, stipulations on that, that he couldn't do that. That which there would is not smart. be that. Yes. Not even he couldn't because he's in prison, but right. no one could. Right. Yeah. So the agreement stated that after the entry of judgment in this case, until death, he will not speak to anyone, write to anyone, or communicate to anyone about the death of Joie Ruth Armstrong. The only exception is any testimony or communication with his lawyer regarding his state or federal murder cases. And to guarantee that he never profits from the story, he agreed to, he signed and agreed to $10 million of restitution going to a fund in Armstrong's name, which seems great. So he was sentenced um, to life without parole in November of 2000 for Joie's murder. But he still had to stand trial for the murders of the three other women. And so in mid-July of 2002, the trial began in Judge Thomas Hastings' courtroom. And the prosecution team was headed by George Williamson, and the defense team was headed by Marsha Morrissey. On Monday, July 22nd, they unsealed, previously sealed, taped confessions by Stainer that he gave to the FBI. He calmly, in these tapes, he calmly reviewed how he strangled 16-year-old Sylvina Peloso in the motel bathtub and how he sexually assaulted Julie Sund for hours before brutally slashing her throat. Well, because in my mind, and I don't really know, but he was already fucked. Yeah. Rightfully. So, like, he's going to prison. Totally. And now it's, it feels almost like um, look at me business. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So the issue now was not... Who committed these murders? Obviously, they knew. Mm. They had confessions from him and, and things about the murder scene and the and the bodies that only he could have known. But the question now became whether or not he was insane at the time, which his defense was claiming, and whether or not his confession to the FBI was coerced, because his defense was also claiming that, that the FBI coerced his his confession. But that was quickly resolved when the court heard recorded demands that Kerry made to the FBI when he said, if you want me to go on record and record me admitting this, you have to give me these things. 
He said, my parents must be given the reward money for finding me. I must be incarcerated at a prison near my parents' home. And then I must be given a large cachet of child pornography for my entire stay in prison. Did they give him that? I don't. I mean, no. if they did, of yeah. Course not. Okay, I'm like, no. Jesus. Of course not. That's... They didn't give him any of that, and he confessed anyways on the record. Also, that is a confession. Right. To me, yes. or like a well, secondary they were, confession. They were obviously recording all of this, and that's why it was played in court. It, You know, he's, I, I don't know where I've heard it, but I've watched like, it's probably from a, one of the bajillion crime shows I've watched, but like, criminals can be very smart, but criminals are ultimately very stupid. And so, duh. Of course, you're not going to be given any of this. Well, and we're already you recording said the child this. pornography. Like, I knew they were recording. But, like, also, I knew he was already indicted or convicted. But still, like... Oh. You don't want to miss what happens next in today's murder story. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. Like I said, the the demands were never met. His confession was recorded prior even to asking for these demands. And Judge Hastings didn't give a shit about any of the demands or the insanity or anything like that and sentenced him to death three times over, one for each murder. Death sentence. Carol's son's husband, Jen's son, said that he's trying to get past the anger, but it's difficult. He still has three children who are alive to raise without his wife of 21 years and his daughter. He said, I don't think that any punishment is severe enough for Carrie Stainer. So at this point, Carrie is serving life in prison for the murder of Joie, and he has three death penalties for the other three Yeah, murders. he's going to die on in there. What prison? Do you know what state? Yes. So he is today, he's about 60 years old, and he's currently being held at death row at California's San Quentin State Prison, mm -hmm. the oldest correctional institution in the state. He's been there since December 2002, and per the prison's website, he is not eligible for parole ever. But he's on death row? He's on death row. Oh, I didn't know that was part of his thing. Mm. Yeah, he got three counts of the death sentence. Oh, the death, okay. Yeah, so yeah, he's on death row. Here but we go, it yep. takes forever. He'll probably die before. He's been on death row since 2002. Right, that's almost. been over 20 years. Yep. yep, yep. We're almost done, and I have two more things to say. One thing that is just super, a, a super strange coincidence in this case is that Joie, her half-brother... Same, they have the same mother, but different fathers. He ended up going to jail and being held at the same prison where Carrie, who murdered his sister, mm -hmm. was in custody. His name was Brady Schwartz. He was 18 at the time, and he had been accused of stealing about $18,000 from his family to pay, pay off a, a drug debt. Soon before his sister was murdered, early that July 1999, he had gone to Bakersfield to pick up uh, two pounds of cocaine in Fresno. He delivered wow. the drugs to a man who said that the, the money, the cocaine was short, two grand. And so Brady said, oh, well, I know my dad keeps cash in the house. I'm going to stage a burglary. So on July 17th, four or five days before his sister was murdered, he took three $3,300 in cash and three cashier's checks worth $3,000 um, from his dad's house. And then he called the police and reported a burglary. Ugh. And so he paid off the drug dealer. And then a day or two after, 
we're talking, you know, a week later, his sister is murdered, found murdered. And he felt so guilty that he turned himself in to his dad. He told his dad, I stole from you. I did this. And his dad said, let's go, let's go get some food. And so his dad said, we went to a bagel to go get a bagel from Harry's Bagels. And afterwards I turned to him and I said, Brady, I'm taking you to the police station. And he didn't argue. And um, he said, you know, my son is coping with life behind bars and this is rough considering the timing, but this is what needs to happen. He loved his sister. He's suffering. He made a bad decision and he'll get through it. I, I don't know. And what he el- did. I imagine. I'd imagine did. he did too. Like he I don't know what ultimately anyone. happened to him. Yeah. So he probably served sure. a handful of months or a year and right. came out. Interesting, well, though, good. that he ended yeah. up at the same prison Awful. as his sister's I mean, killer. Weird. I mean, just there are so many like weird intricacies throughout this entire story. And, you know, I don't want, I don't ever, I mean, these are terrible tragic stories but i would like to not end on a super terrible note so wow how are you gonna bring this right around (laughs) i don't know that i am but um i will say that after joie was murdered um the women of the yosemite institute where she worked they were obviously distraught i want to try and do something to process through the the trauma of it they took a, they kind of formed this like group of women. They would go into the back country in Yosemite and do yoga and journaling and kind of this like healing journey. And they did it twice at this place called, um, I think the place was called, I think there was actually a place called Balanced Rock. And they loved it so much that they decided, they kind of all came up with the idea of like, let's create a, a kind of a, a an outreach program or a, um, you want like retreat? a retreat retreat. Thank you. Yeah. They, they decided to kind of form this healing retreat called balance rock. Joie's old friend, Heather Sullivan, I believe her name was took another woman and, and Heather knew a lot about hiking and camping. And this woman knew a lot about making nonprofits. So they got together and they decided to create this nonprofit kind well, of yeah, in Heather- honor of joie. So balance rock became this retreat where they did yoga. They taught women how to survive in the outdoors. It was healing. It was rejuvenating. It was all of the things. And they kind of feel like they're continuing on Joie's legacy through this balanced rock retreat that still occurs today. And in addition to that, there's Armstrong's Scholars Program, which provides funding for teenage girls to participate each summer in a backpacking adventure in Yosemite. Um, So we will obviously include links for that. And then there's also a foundation for the Carol Sund Carrington Memorial Foundation, where the parents and grandparents of Carol and Julie created this uh, reward foundation, which helps families without economic means offer rewards for information in order to help law enforcement locate missing loved ones. So both really, really wonderful foundations that came out of a horrible horrible situation and um you know we'll include links for information donating and all of that i mean this story is and i don't even think i got in as deep on some of the things as i could had you never heard about steven stainer Mm-mm. the kid who was taken i watched a lifetime movie not long ago before before this way like, before, i mean we're talking months ago before i, mean, maybe I even I looked into this did it doesn't ring a bell the name i like to watch a lot of those things but not that i recall now i mean just so much tragedy across the board really really not a not unsad <laughs> <laughs> i don't 
don't know what else to say. You know, I always feel like it's hard to end on a low note, but it's hard to end on a high note after all this. Well, it is a low note. This yeah. is a murder story. It's yeah. a low note. Well, so thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I wonder if, I will say, I wonder if ever the victims, I almost hope not. But I wonder if ever the victims, families, friends, anyone who knew them ever listened to to shows where their 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 stories are talked about. Um, well, if you're murdered, I'm going to look it up at some point. Of course, I imagine they do. I'm not saying ours because we're kind of small, 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 small. is fair. Yeah, be yeah. hard to listen to. Yeah, and yeah. also. I would at some I would point, too. maybe 20 years later, like I think about what um, Elizabeth Smart or like mm-hmm. some of those people that were taken for a long time and then mm-hmm. released. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. I don't know how I'd feel about it. I, I think no it's impossible idea. to know, but uh, whether, you know, whether any anyone is listening or not. We're talking about it. We are talking about it and we, we appreciate everyone listening and our hearts go out to the families of um, Joie and Carol and Julie and Sylvina, and we will see you next week, I guess. I'm all good night and good luck, and... Stay safe. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, mm-hmm. take a little breath before bed, maybe take a hot bath, because if you listen <laughs> take to... Take a gummy. I sometimes listen to um, true, true crime. crime as I'm falling asleep if I'm not sleeping well. Yeah. And it helps me sleep or shut out from my thoughts. Yeah. But sometimes I have weird dreams. Yeah. Maybe don't listen before bed. Okay, well, listen in the morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> and good night. Thanks, guys. We love you all. Bye. Bye-bye. And if you want to see pictures of the victims, the murderers, and any additional related images, head over to our Instagram right now. Our handle across all social media platforms is death, then the letter X, and then Southwest spelled out. So D-E-A-T-H-X-S-O-U-T-H-W-E-S-T. Death X Southwest. Death by Southwest is a Cavalry Audio production. Hosted by Jenna Schneider and Margot Carmichael. Produced by Margot Carmichael. Associate produced by Jenna Schneider. Executive produced by Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Audio editing and sound design by Revision Sound. Music by Soundstripe. And a special thanks to Edward R. Murrow for letting us borrow his famous sign-off phrase, good night and good luck.